you'll please take your Bibles and turn to the, this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 18 this morning and verses 10 through 14. You know, this is the third message in our new message series called Jesus the Master Teacher. And uh, in these messages, we're looking at a series of Jesus' teachings as found in Matthew chapters 18, 19, and 20. And we said earlier that, that the block of teaching that we're looking at in these chapters corresponds to uh, an earlier block of teaching that we looked at back in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. That was the Sermon on the Mount. And so the two blocks of teaching correspond to each other, but there's one big difference between these two blocks of teaching. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus presented his teaching as one single sermon from beginning to end. Here in Matthew chapters 18 through 20, we have have examples of what we might call occasional teaching. Not teaching occasionally like once in a while, but teaching on specific occasions. Instead of presenting one integrated sermon throughout these chapters, Jesus teaches on a variety of topics, each one uh, in response to various occasions. For example, uh, the occasion that prompted the whole series of teaching we've been looking at the last couple weeks and continuing today uh, was the disciples coming up to Jesus and asking him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Bad question, but you know what? Without that question, we wouldn't have had all the teaching we're looking at. Jesus taught in response to that question. He had a little child stand among them, and he began, began this whole series of teachings that we're looking at here in chapter 18. Then when we get to chapters 19 and 20 and the following chapters, there'll be new occasions that present themselves, and Jesus will teach in response to those occasions. Our passage today deals with the wanderer and how God deals with those who wander away from him. So in Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. The words of Jesus, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away... Will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look at this Beautiful passage this morning, a passage of of love and grace and hope. Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to just hear your voice of love and grace to us this morning. And uh, Lord, that we would leave uh, today just knowing even more what a wonderful God and Savior you are. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So we're talking about the problem of wandering today, wandering. When we wander from the Lord, we often find ourselves asking uh, questions such as, does God still love me? Does God want me back? Or has God abandoned me now and I'm just going to get what I deserve? 
And Jesus answers those questions for us by telling us the parable of the shepherd and the lost sheep. And in doing so, he teaches us some vital truths for us to hold on to when we find ourselves in a position of wandering from the Lord. You know, we summed up our first message in this series this way. Jesus loves the little children, and so should we. That was our first message. Then last week, the second message, we summed up this way. God takes sin seriously, and so should we. And you know what? We can really sum up today's message this way. God seeks the wanderer, and so should we. God is the good shepherd of the sheep who seeks after his wandering children and brings them safely home. There's an outline in your worship guide this morning. I'd encourage you to take that out at this time to follow along. The different points we'll be looking at and the different scriptures. Uh, There's room there for you to jot down some notes as we go along as well. Jesus begins this section, this passage, by describing God's watchful care for his children. God's watchful care for his children. Look at verse 10 with me now. Jesus says this, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So first Jesus tells us here, he says, don't look down. Don't look down on one of these little ones. We've seen that Jesus uses this phrase little ones in different ways throughout this chapter, right? He began by speaking about little children, right? He had a, a little child stand among them. But then he goes on to use this phrase in a different way to refer to believers, to refer to those who have made themselves like little children by humbly putting their trust in God. And so here Jesus is really saying, don't look down on any of God's children, not just little children, but any of God's children. I want you to notice the word one again. We, we highlighted this last week in our verse 6, where Jesus said, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That was last week. God takes sin seriously, so should we. Now Jesus says, be careful that you do not look down on even one of these little ones. Everyone is important. Each one counts. And why is this? Why should we not look down on any of God's children? Jesus gives us this reason. I'm sure there are others as well. But he gives us this reason. He says, because I tell you, there are angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now, some people read this verse and they take it to say that uh, each person has a guardian angel. Uh, That's assigned to them at birth. He follows them around and takes care of them. And I suppose that's possible. We really don't know one way or another. Uh, The Bible never really says that each of us has one specific angel assigned to us. Uh, But it does say something better. It says that we have multiple angels watching over us and serving us as God's children. For example, in the Old Testament, Psalm 91, we read this. It says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stump. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. 
So yeah, we have something better than a single guardian angel watching over us. All of God's angels are entrusted with the task of watching over God's children, watching over believers, and taking care of us. John Calvin put it this way. He said, the care of the entire church is committed to angels to assist each member as his needs require. When you're in trouble, when you need help, God sends his angels. You're covered. You're in good hands. Jesus says that these angels always see the face of his Father in heaven. Uh, All of God's angels uh, are watching over us. This expression that they see the face of of Jesus' Father in heaven, this expression tells us that God is constantly watching over us and that he is immediately aware of all of our circumstances. God's assigned his angels to protect his children, and those angels, Jesus says, are in constant communication with God the Father in heaven. Now, you might wonder, why has Jesus brought this whole subject up about not looking down on each other? What was it that prompted this? Remember, this is occasional teaching. What's the occasion? This is still all in response to that initial question that the disciples asked. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And we've already seen that was the wrong question to ask for for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is this. You can only even begin to consider that you might be the greatest. You can only do that. Consider that you're greater than someone else if you're doing what? If you're looking down on them, right? If you're looking down on them. And the problem here, once again, is pride. You know, Jesus addressed this issue of pride earlier by saying, hey, you need to humble yourself like a little child. And now he warns us about this prideful attitude that looks down on others in order to lift ourselves up. Let me ask you this morning, do you ever do that? Do you ever criticize other believers? Do you ever look down on them for their lack of faith? or their lack of progress in the faith? If so, then Jesus has a word for you this morning. He says, don't do that. (laughs) That's what he says here, right? He says, don't do that. Don't look down on even one of these little ones. You see, we're all at different places in our Christian walk. And no matter how far along you may be today, you were once where others are now. And we all need to grow in our Christian faith. It's been said many times, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Jesus says, don't you look down on any of God's children. Because God is always watching over them. Very stern warning for us there. Now before we move on to verse 12, I want to point something out to you. Because you may have noticed that verse 11, Uh, 11 is missing from your Bible. We go from verse 10 immediately to verse 12, and you might be wondering about that. And if you looked even closer, you might notice that verse 11 is down on the bottom page of your Bible in a footnote. And uh, that footnote tells you what verse 11 originally said here. It said, the Son of Man came to save what was lost. And you might be wondering, who took verse 11 out of my Bible and put it at the bottom of the page? Who made that a footnote and why? And the reason why that was moved to a footnote is simply this. This verse is not found in the earliest manuscripts of the Bible. As as we begin to find more and more early manuscripts of the Bible, uh, we begin to learn some things. And you know what? It's a good verse, 
Okay, it's a good verse. It, it comes from the story of Zacchaeus in and, and Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and that's where it belongs. Okay, that's where that verse is supposed to be. And so you say, well, how did it get into Matthew 18? Well, most likely someone who, who's copying the scriptures at some point, you know, looked at verse 10 and looked at verse 12. They didn't have verse numbers in those days and thought, you know what? It, I'm going to help people along here. I'm going to help them make the connection uh, between these two verses. Uh, not that we needed a clearer connection. Uh, you know, as you'll see, the two verses connect just fine all by themselves. Plus, big one here, you're not supposed to add anything into the Bible, right? You're not supposed to add to God's words. So the copyist, I'm sure he meant well. Uh, he's trying to help us along. But you know what? God's word stands fine all, of, all on its own. Now, sometimes when people hear like, stuff like that, they say, you mean some people along the way added something into the Bible? Uh, they begin to wonder you know, about their Bibles, and they begin to lose confidence in the Scriptures. And I want to tell you this morning, it's actually the opposite way. We should actually have even more confidence in the Scriptures because we have so many of these early manuscripts right now, it's really easy uh, now to find anything that was added in. We found uh, any, there are very few. Very few verses. And even if they were, they're verses that you find elsewhere anyways. So it's all God's word. It's all God's truth. Uh, but I want you to know that you can have full confidence uh, in the Bible that we read today as an accurate rendition of the original manuscripts as inspired by God so many years ago. So just a little sidelight on that in case you noticed that and had a question on that. Now we're going to move on to verse 12, which should be the next verse uh, anyways. And here in verses 12 and 13... Jesus shares with us the parable of the lost sheep. And this is really the heart of the passage, the heart of our message today. Let me read you verses 12 and 13. Jesus said, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. So he begins with this phrase, what do you think? And, and obviously that's an invitation to the disciples and to us to reflect on this parable that follows. That's what we're going to do this morning. What do you think? What do you think? If, if a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders away, won't he leave the 99 there and go after the one that's lost? And the answer is yes, of course he will. Of course he will. Remember, Jesus has been focusing on the one. We've seen that over and over again in these verses in chapter 18. On the one all along. Look at verse 5. Jesus said this, Whoever welcomes even one little child in my name welcomes me. Verse 6, If anyone causes even one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Verse 10, he said what? See that you do not look down on even one of these little ones. So Jesus has been focusing on the one all along, and now he focuses on the one in this parable of the sheep. And this is such a precious parable in so many ways. The shepherd does not leave the lost sheep to fend for itself. The shepherd does not say, what a stupid sheep. You know, I've got plenty of other sheep here. I'm just going to let, 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 let that sheep alone. He's going to get what he deserves. Now, what does he do? He goes looking for it. He goes looking for it. In the original languages, the wording is even stronger here. It says he keeps looking for it. He keeps on looking and he does not stop. The sheep probably deserves to be just off on its own. It's the one that wandered away, right? But this is such a beautiful 
illustration of God's great love and compassion for us. Psalm 103 verse 10 tells us this, that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Thank you, Lord. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. So yes, even when we wander off on our own, the good shepherd still comes looking for us. Some people wonder about the 99, you know, that the shepherd leaves on the hills. They read this, they go, well, doesn't he care about the 99 as well? And of course he does, right? There's no indication from this parable that those 99 are in any danger. We can assume that the shepherd has left them in a safe place or perhaps under the care of other shepherds. The point is this, it's not that the shepherd cares more for the lost sheep than the rest of the flock. He cares for the whole flock. But right now, part of the flock is missing. So the other sheep, they're okay for right now, right? But this lost sheep needs finding. And then Jesus says that if this shepherd finds it, he is happier about finding the one sheep that wandered away than the 99 who did not wander. I want you to notice a couple things here. First of all, notice the word if there in verse 13. It says, if he finds it. Now, in this parable, this parable is about a human shepherd and an actual sheep with four legs that go ba and have wool. Okay, that's what this parable is about. And in the parable, there's no guarantee in that situation that the lost sheep uh, will actually be found or that he will be found in time. Fortunately, when we get to verse 14 in just a moment, we'll see that unlike the shepherd in the parable, unlike this analogy, that God never fails to find his missing children and bring them home. But in the parable, we get an if. And then another thing, you know, people, once again, they wonder about the shepherd being happier about finding the lost sheep than about the 99 that did not wander. And they, they say, well, what's up with that? Well, you know, we see the same thing in another parable, in the parable of the prodigal son. Remember what happened there? You know, the prodigal son comes home, the father throws a party for him, and who complains? The, the, the older brother, the older son complains when he sees how his father throws this party for the younger son. But the father explains it to him this way, uh, Luke 15, verses 31 and 32. He said, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So it's not that the shepherd doesn't care about the 99. It's not that he doesn't rejoice in them as well. But there is a special kind of joy, a particular joy in finding one that has been lost. You know, if any of the 99 wandered away, the shepherd would go looking for them too. And when he found them, he would rejoice over them in the exact same way. And so Jesus first tells us about God's watchful care for his children Then he illustrates that for us by telling us the parable of the lost sheep. And now finally, Jesus applies the parable for us. And he applies this parable to God's love and care for us. He tells us that God is the good shepherd who seeks his children. Look at verse 14 with me now. Where Jesus says, in the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. 
I want you to notice a couple of things here. First of all, notice the change from where Jesus said, my father, in verse 10. Did you notice that? He said, the angels in heaven see the face of my father in heaven to your father here in verse 14. Isn't that beautiful? You know, yes, God is Jesus' father who has loved uh, Jesus the son from all of eternity, but God the father is also your father who loves you and has compassion on you. God is the good shepherd who seeks his children. And we see this in three ways. He seeks you when you wander. He rejoices when you come back home. And number three, he will not let any of his children perish. I want us to take a look at all three of those now. First of all, God seeks you when you wander. God's first thought when you wander, his first thought, it's not how much you messed up, but how he can bring you back. God isn't concerned with blame or punishment, but restoration. You know what? God has always been like that. We read in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. This is God's heart for the lost and the wandering. In the New Testament, Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. God is the good shepherd. Jesus is the son of God. He is the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so as the son of God, Jesus is the good shepherd who not only looks for the lost sheep, but he lays down his life for the sheep. So that's the first way we can see that God is the good shepherd of the sheep. He seeks you when you wander. And then secondly, he rejoices when you come back home. Isn't that beautiful? No lecture. No silent treatment, no look of disappointment, accusation, or blame. Just pure, unadulterated joy. I like the way Jesus shares this parable in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus often told his parables more than once and in different settings. And in Luke's version, Jesus really emphasizes the joy aspect of this. Uh, Luke 15, verses 5 and 6. And when he finds the lost sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, Jesus says, There is great rejoicing in heaven when the wanderer repents and comes home. God seeks you when you wander. He rejoices when you come back home. And number three, he will not let any of his children perish. That's what Jesus is saying here in verse 14, right? He says, in the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Remember the if in the parable, right? If the shepherd finds the sheep, he's happier about the the one sheep than the 99 that did not wander off. Well, that may be the case with the sheep in the parable, but praise God 
You get to verse 14, there are no ifs when it comes to God's children. We see this elsewhere in the New Testament. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verses 39 and 40, he said, This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none. I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So yeah, God seeks you when you wander. He rejoices when you come back home and he will not let any of his children perish. God is the good shepherd of the sheep who seeks after his wandering children and brings them safely home every single time. You know, we said at the beginning of this message today that uh, we could sum it up by saying God seeks the wanderer and so should we. And that's really one of the reasons Jesus told this parable. We are responsible for each other. You know, earlier Jesus said, don't cause anyone to stumble or fall. Now he says, but if they do stumble or fall, go after them. Don't leave them alone. Help them back up. Remember when Cain asked God, he said, he said am I my brother's keeper? Well, God's answer is, yes, you are. We all are. We read this in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, And someone should bring him back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. How does Jesus seek after the wanderer? A lot of times he does it through us. He sends us after them. And so one of the things we learn from this parable is, first of all, never look down on anyone. Jesus said that. But also never give up on anyone. Never write someone off. God seeks the wanderer, and so should we. In fact, we should seek them even when the wanderer is someone who has hurt or offended you. That's what we're going to look at next week, just a little preview. How we go after the person, not in a bad way, but we go after lovingly the person who has hurt or offended us. You know, when we wander from God, we often think wrong thoughts about God. We think that God is mad at us or that he doesn't want anything to do with us anymore. We think that if we did come back, that he would only scold us or lecture us uh, for being so bad. And, and so what do we do? We continue to wander thinking that God doesn't want us back. But I love this parable. Jesus says, yes, God does want you back. He is the God of grace and love and forgiveness. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. He is the loving father to his children. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. He not only wants us back, he comes looking for us. And he will not stop seeking until he finds us and brings us back to his fold. And then when we do come back, rather than scolding us or lecturing us or withholding his love, he is full of joy 
in rejoicing that a lost sinner has come home. In fact, he's even happier over our coming back than he is over those who never left to begin with in that moment. So if you are a wanderer today, there's nothing preventing you from coming back to God. There's no reason to waste any more time in the wilderness. God is the good shepherd of the sheep who seeks after his wandering children and brings them home. Perhaps you feel him tugging on your heart this morning. Will you come back to him today? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful passage, this beautiful parable that reminds us that you are a God of love and grace and forgiveness. You call us to to be the same way towards each other. But Lord, you never give up on us. It's never too late to turn and, and to come to you. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone here today who's uh, had wrong thoughts of you and, and haven't understood uh, that you're out there seeking them even today. I pray that today would be the day they just turn back to you. Lord, it's so much better at home with you and your sheepfold under your care and protection than it is wandering lost and alone out in the wilderness. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeking us when we stray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.